What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday and welcome in to Bet to Win at the Blue Wire Studios at the Win Las Vegas. I am your host, Joe Fan. Fun show for you today. My guy, Nick Dayes, is back as we near closer to the NBA Finals, a snooze fest of conference finals series. We'll talk, we'll talk about all of it uh, and more with a couple UFC fights on the way. Lots to discuss with my guy, Nick Dayes. First, I do have to take well, not a victory lap this show. It's an L to hold, and that's because my two-leg MLB parlay did not hit. I took the Dodgers. They won comfortably. They kicked the crap out of the Nats 10-1. to 1. But I bet on Garrett Cole and the Yankees, and Garrett Cole let me down. Touched up by the O's. He gave up five. The Yankees ultimately lose 6-4. to four. Aaron Judge, two home runs in that game, trying to help me out. Um, not enough, though. Try to get back on track at the end of the show with another winning pick. Um, staying on baseball real quickly. So now that I live in Vegas, I can't watch my beloved Mariners on normal TV. Obviously, Root Sports Northwest, not broadcast here in uh, Las Vegas. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. I will get MLB TV. Now, the Mariners are trash and the most frustrating team of all of baseball. And my whole existence of being a Mariners fan is largely just pain. But I am a masochist, and I like to watch my Mariners on a night-to-night basis. Um, as I have learned now that I have bought MLB TV, Vegas is the worst possible place to live to be a West Coast sports fan because apparently Vegas is a local market for every West Coast sports team. I have learned through doing my digging with the blackout policy. Now, MLB TV has a local blackout policy, which... I think it's a bad rule because you should be trying to get your product in front of as many eyeballs as possible because we all know that baseball suffers in general in terms of viewership and overall fandom where it is so far behind the NBA um, and the NFL, obviously, and college basketball and college hoops. It's not a very fan-friendly product and it feels like Major League Baseball trips over itself on a regular basis when it comes to serving its fans. But the blackout policy in Las Vegas is out of control. Again, I understand protecting your TV deals, your local TV deals that is, you know, a club's uh, source of revenue, a huge part of it. This is crazy. In Vegas, you are blacked out from the Angels, Dodgers, Padres, Diamondbacks, Athletics, and Giants. Six teams that apparently call Las Vegas their quote-unquote local market. I have cable, too. It's not like I'm even cord-cutting. I have cable. I don't have the channel. So how does that make any sense? There's no moral of the story, and this is for sure a champagne problem, but it's an annoyance nonetheless. All right, I don't want to waste any time. I want to get into our guest. Nick Dayus is back on the show. Follow him on Twitter, at NickDayus10. He's the host and founder of Blue Wire's Veterans Minimum Podcast. Uh, I can't say minimum. Oh, Nick, I don't know why I can't say minimum. I do this every time. I mumble through that word so bad. All right, here we go. Three, two, and one. Let's get it right into our guest. My guy, Nick Days, is back on the show. The host and founder of the Veterans Minimum Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Nick Dayus 10 Nick, welcome back, brother. How we doing? How's everything back east? Good, man. Can't complain. Weather's nice as I give you my go-to forecast a every weekly, time we come uh, on. Meteorologist, <laughs> weekly, weekly yeah. meteorologist update from you. I love it. 
Uh, hey, we're going to talk a lot of NBA. We'll get <clears> to what's coming up in the UFC, but uh, I want to real briefly touch on uh, the major storyline of the NFL this week, and that's Deshaun Watson. Two of his 22 accusers went on HBO's Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel detailing uh, their experiences with the quarterback as it pertains to the sexual assault and the case um, that was thrown out by the grand jury, but is still being reviewed by the NFL uh, in terms of a possible suspension. For me, I, I sort of, I don't want to go back down all of my thoughts and I, I stay or I stand by the thought that 22 accusers, many of whom were sought out by Watson on Instagram, who has had, you know, even more than the 22 massage therapists, just very weird behavior. His lawyer has admitted that uh, he had sexual relations with three of them. Um, it's all very weird to me, but I, I'm, I'm curious. We're waiting for the final shoe to drop and that's Roger Goodell's decision. And he will have final say here on whether or not Deshaun will play in 2022 and how much you look at the MLB and major league baseball set a very strong precedent with Trevor Bauer and suspending him for an entire year. And to me, the only two differences in these cases is there's more, you know, evidence, which is important and pictures, but sort of the tales and, um, you know, accusations are very similar. It's a long way of just kind of passing the ball to you and saying, what's your kind of feeling on this and gauge on this that maybe what might come down from the NFL here soon? The craziest thing about all this, Joe, is the NFL has had a bad history of coming down with suspensions. Uh, just in general, across the board, no matter what it is, a lot of them don't make sense. There seems to be like no precedent to follow. Uh, Roger Goodell and the NFL seem to think, you know, one guy gets busted for weed. Well, he'll get four games. Meanwhile, the other guy might get a year, right? And it might be like a first offense kind of thing. Um, they've been on the hot seat with how they handle some of these issues dating back to the Ray Rice video. Um, Adrian Peterson with the switch and his kid, uh, you know, close, close to New York. There was the John Brown incident with the kicker. So the NFL has just always kind of fumbled the ball, so to speak, when it comes to how they handle these. As far as Watson goes, I think the, the fascinating thing is, I don't know if you caught this because a lot of sports books have removed the Cleveland Browns from a win total standpoint. In many places, they're the favorite to win the, the division, which to me, if you're taking, if you're going to make any bets on Cleveland, I think that's just donations because you just don't know. Um, they might come down with six games, which is what I think they do. They come down with a six-game suspension. I don't agree with that, but it could also be a year. You just don't know because, like I said, there's no guidelines to, all right, they've done this in the past. It's going to be a year suspension. You just don't know. But there were some sports books that left win totals up, and it went from nine and a half to 10 games. And that jumped out to me, Joe. Uh, the only other time I remember seeing something like this was completely different circumstance. But remember Andrew Luck, the last year he played with the Colts, he had the shoulder issues and reports came out how, you know, he hasn't even thrown a football yet. Like what's up with his shoulder? And their win total went from eight and a half to nine. And then they end up winning like the division. They won 11 games. So someone knows something. I don't know who, but they might have an ear in the NFL. This is all speculation, obviously, but the fact that the win total moved, I think it's not going to be as harsh as a decision and suspension that's going to upset a lot of people when it comes down. It is interesting. Again, his new contract, what is it? I think a million dollars is his base salary in 2022. So the insurance the insurance for suspension uh, is there, which 
Again, yeah. lots of interesting wrinkles. A lot of it's speculation. Anytime you have the he said, she said situation, especially something as um, pronounced as this with 22 accusers, it, it's a challenging topic to discuss. Um, and, and both sides obviously completely dug their heels into their side. And, um, you know, maybe we'll never, never know the, the full truth. But certainly Roger Goodell, a big decision on his hands. Let's pivot to the NBA, where it feels like the conference finals are coming to an end, question mark. Um, it's felt like a foregone conclusion. The Warriors beat the Mavs, but the Mavs did avoid the sweep and won 119-109. They were out of their mind from three. All of the role players stepped up. It was Finney Smith. It was Kleba. It was Brunson. Um, it was Reggie Bullock. They're up 3-1 now, or the, the Warriors are up 3-1. Is this a gentleman's sweep here? Does it bother you at all? The Warriors now two series in a row have played with their food a bit after getting blown out in a closeout game uh, in Memphis the series prior? Or do you just chalk it up to the Mavs at a huge game, desperation, backs against the wall at home, to, to at least salvage one game and avoid the, uh, the sweep? No, uh, under under Steve Kerr in closeout games, especially when they play on the road, they're 1-9 and nine against the spread. So it wasn't a surprise that they ended up dropping that game. Uh, one of the, there's not a spot, Joe, in basketball. I love betting playoff basketball way more than I do regular season. There is not a game that I full fade than game four in a 3 0 series. I just, it's hard for me to handicap that. I just don't know what the motivation is. You know, you just drop game three, you're devastated. Your crowd is like, oh, damn, you know, half the price of the tickets go down on StubHub or all these secondary markets because people are not as intrigued to go to a game four to see a sweep. So with that said, Golden State just historically always does that. The, they prefer closing it out at home. It's happened many times in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 20, 25 point win for Golden State in, in game five back home. I think the, the biggest storyline of this whole conference finals and just the playoffs in general is I want to reference your tweet from, uh, I think it was yesterday. The NBA's obsession with the three-pointer makes blowouts inevitable. And that's really the answer. If you look at the box scores of all these 20-point blowouts, there is a direct indicator that it has to do with the three-point shot, right? And obviously, a three is worth more than two. But the last five or six years, ever since the Golden State Warriors with Kerr, that, you know, those first couple seasons before they got the rant, it became so obvious that you want to shoot more threes and twos. You just look at it. A team loses by 25. Chances are they've hit 15 to 23s. The other team is like Milwaukee was in that closeout game against Boston, four for 31 or, or five for 29. So I think your tweet was tremendous. I said th this answers the, the question of why are there so many blowouts? And that's what you saw yesterday with Miami struggling. You saw that with Dallas in games that they lost. Reggie Bullock in game three was what? 0 for 9 from 3 or 0 for 7? Him and Cleveland hit both field didn't goal, hit one. Yeah. They both played, they played yeah, 60 then, combined minutes of scoreless basketball. Yeah, which is, it's ridiculous. Uh, and then you look at like the guys yesterday, uh, Strauss uh, on Miami, he struggled. Um, anytime guys struggle from 3, it just changes the game. That's why also you see a lot of, uh, on the flip side of it, uh, if a team is down 20 at halftime, like, ah, you know, if they could get hot, they could make it something. So 
the conference finals, I hope we have an epic seven-game NBA finals whenever we get it to make up for the last two weeks of basketball because it's been pretty rough to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Mavs hit 23s in the game. Seven of those came in the first quarter. The Warriors just 10 of 28 from three. So you... You know, that's 30-point difference in just three-pointers alone. Yeah. I think, for me, a big issue with it is it's the obsession. But three-point shooting is so volatile by nature. And so, like, here's the difference between the Warriors and everybody else. I'm not, obviously, you know, this isn't breaking news to anybody. But the Warriors have elite, all-time great shooters that are the volume three-point shooters. Where every other team, it's capable three-point shooters. And there's a huge difference between the two. I mean, there aren't as many dead-eye three-point shooters in the NBA as we want to believe there are. On Conversely, there are more people in the NBA, more players in the NBA who are capable of making three-point shots than ever before, especially when you see now centers are shooting three-pointers at a much higher rate mm-hmm. than we've ever seen. But you look at the Mavs as a perfect example. You can't bank on Dorian Finney-Smith Reggie Bullock, and Maxi Kleba to be knocked down three-point shooters in a given game. I mean, period. So it is, it's mm. frustrating when you have an NBA playoffs that has been such a snooze to this point when even you look to uh, Buck Celtics, probably the best series of the playoffs so far outside of the first round, which maybe you give it to Memphis and, and the Wolves. But the Suns and Mavs went seven games. The average margin of victory was over 20 points. It's just bad mm-hmm. basketball. It's a bad brand of basketball. And now you're seeing the Celtics, who won on Wednesday. They won 93-80. to 80. They go on a huge second-half run. Jimmy Butler, clearly not right. He went 4 of 18, shooting with just 13 points. The three games the Celtics have won have been absolute ass-kickings. And the, three, or the two games they've lost have come with two just catastrophic quarters. So I don't know what the answer is. I guess this leads me to, I guess real quickly, do you think, is the series over with, with the East in the Eastern Conference? Are the Celtics going to beat the Heat? They're nine-point favorites uh, on Friday. They are yeah, bigger favorites so. on Friday than the, than the Warriors are a Thursday night. Warriors are seven-point yeah. favorites. Celtics are nine-point favorites. Well, I think, you know, no Tyler Hero. That's been big for them. Uh, he's their only reliable scorer outside of Jimmy Butler. Butler's hurt. Kyle Lowry has been abysmal for them. He's, I mean, he's just been a mess. You know, he's showing his age, right? What is he, 37 or 38 years old? Like these older point guards now, you're seeing them really fall apart in the playoffs. I think it's just a lot of miles on them. Chris Paul. 36. uh, With the Mavericks. Yeah. And then Kyle Lowry also. Yeah, I just think it's done. Boston is going to be rocking. It's going to be crazy in there for game six. They don't want to bring it back to Miami for a game seven. I don't think you want to do that. I could see Miami making it a tough outing, though. Miami does play physical, and I think they could keep it close. But I think ultimately it ends on on Friday when they play again. Do we have hope for a finals that would be more entertaining? I mean, to me on paper, the biggest issue with both of these conference final series is you have an A1 superstar, and whoever you give the edge to, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, uh, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, but the supporting casts aren't close when you compare what the Warriors have uh, compared to Jalen. If Jalen Brunson's your second best player, I said this on our show on Monday, if Jalen Brunson's your second best player in an Eastern or Western Conference Finals, 
you're going to have a tough time winning basketball games. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brunson has been tremendous. He's going to get paid this offseason. But I think it's fairly it goes without saying that he shouldn't be the second best player on your team. And you look at the Heat, no disrespect to Bam, but he's not Jalen Brown. And Tucker, Struess, Lowry, Vincent, Duncan Robinson finally back into the rotation. Uh, Victor Oladipo trying to make a resurgence, but still is a shell of his former self. And of course, missing Tyler Hero is huge, but even with Tyler Hero, doesn't compare to Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Marcus yeah. Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Derek White, a huge um, trade deadline acquisition, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard has given them good minutes throughout the playoffs. So you hope that those two teams now with the Celtics and Warriors, it's star-studded across the board, and I hope that we can have some classics because we are we are due as NBA fans. What's your read on what that series might look like as an early preview? Well, I think I think you hit a lot of home runs in that take there because Hell yeah, I did. The, the 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 difference between the Celtics and the Warriors versus the other teams is that yeah, you have Tatum and you have Curry, but then you also have consistent, reliable scorers on both ends. Where yeah, Pool might not get thirty, but Clay and Pool together might get you forty to forty five. That's kind of expected, right? Brown has elevated himself. Al Horford, I think. This might Found be a weird youth. take, but I think I think he's been the best player for the Celtics throughout the whole playoffs. And I know it's crazy because like Tatum's been going wild and Jalen Brown, but just across the board, when he's in and out the lineup, whether he's missing the game or he's off the floor, I think it's a visual difference between the Celtics with him and without him. And I think it's just more reliable, Joe. Like you have guys that you could count on to show out. Uh, it's it's asking a lot for. I think the worst thing that happened to Strauss in this series was, was that shot, that three pointer he hit in uh, in in game three that gave him the lead when they were coming back. And like, because I think he's like one for eighteen since. Like he he ended up winning that game in Boston. But I think it's just the inconsistency for all the other guys: your Klebers, your your Finney Smiths. Yep. Uh, and like you know what you're gonna get from Luca. You know what you're gonna get from Jimmy Butler. And then if those guys have an off night, it's, you know, you're losing by 30. So to me, it's just, it should be a better finals for sure than what we've seen. I think the teams match up great against one another. Marcus Smart against Steph Curry. Those matchups are going to be awesome. You got Al Horford now, Draymond Green, the the death lineup 2.0 coming. I think the finals are going to be sick. The matchups are great across the board. And I think it's just more reliable. It comes down to, you know what? you're going to get from your secondary players as opposed to the other two teams that are down in the series. You just flip whatever happens. And I think an important note on that, not just secondary players you can rely on, but secondary players that can create their own shot and aren't dependent on just catching yeah. and shooting. Um, updated mm-hmm. championship odds, the Warriors minus 145. No surprise there. The Celtics down to plus 135. Heat at plus 1600 and Mavs at 50 to 1. Celtics down to plus 135. Your boys one win away from a 25 to 1 finals ticket. Can talk hedge, to we can talk hedge to when we get to the finals. Let's go, baby. Nah, we love nah, it. Nah. No, I'm going to no hedge. I'm going to so. get a payday. I'm team hedge, man. Nah. I know you're going to you go down with yeah, the shit. Yeah, yeah. But we can talk about that when the time <laughs> comes. We'll talk about the series price and all that. Uh, let's pivot to a little bit of action sports. Not action sports. Combat, combat sports. Uh, well, also action. Um a little bit of boxing real quick. We always talk UFC. The big fight recently was Canelo Alvarez losing to uh, Dimitri Bivol. Um, he's foregoing a rematch and choosing to fight Triple G um, on uh, September 17th instead. I, just in general, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that fight? But also just 
as a bigger thought, I know you, at least I believe you are much more into the UFC. And it feels Mm -hmm. like the state of the UFC is just so much healthier than boxing. I don't know if there's been a fight I've been super fired. There's been a couple, but very few and far between where it feels like every two, three months, we have a really exciting UFC card that you are fired up about the main events and also some undercards where the superstars in boxing are few and far between. Why do you feel, why do you agree with that? And then maybe why is there such a kind of difference uh, between it feels like the health of both sports? I think for the UFC, they have, they're under one promotion. Like everything has to do with the UFC. Dana's the matchmaker. The coolest thing about the UFC, Joe, and I think a lot of the blame goes to a guy like Floyd Mayweather, who the the being undefeated became so much of his aura where if a boxer would lose, it was like the end of his career in a weird way. Where you look at in the UFC, the best fighters ever and fan favorites have five, six, seven. Nate Diaz is a top draw. He's had double-digit losses. Mazadol. And in the UFC, you get the best versus the best. There's no promoters behind it outside of Dana White. We're going to give you the best fights. Why did it take five years after Pacquiao's prime for us to get Mayweather-Pacquiao? Why didn't we get that in 2007 as opposed to getting it when we got it? Uh, Canelo and Triple G is cool. That's an amazing main event. And sometimes I think the main event in boxing is really dope. They won't put a Canelo, they won't put Tyson Fury and Canelo on the same kind of card, if that makes sense, where you'll get Michael Chandler and then you'll get Dustin Poirier as a headliner, right? Or you'll get three title fights in one night. It's just the marketing is different because you have one belt, you have one champion. You can identify with, all right, the 170 champ in the UFC is Kamaru Usman. There's nine, 10, 11 different there's WBC, WBB, WWF, like all these titles that these guys have. And you're like, all right, well, who's the, who's the champion? You just don't know. So it's harder to identify. And Canelo's last fight, going back to that, he jumped up, I think, like 20 pounds to fight this dude. And that was really the difference, like the wear and tear. You're, you're punching a lot harder. The guy isn't cutting as much weight to get down there. I think the weight difference was the biggest discrepancy between the two of them. And it really came down to where size mattered in that fight, as opposed to the other times where, yeah, you could jump up four or five pounds and it's a different weight class. But when you jump up 15 to 20, that's where, you know, punching someone at 170 and punching someone at 205, it's a different weight capacity there. And the power is just so, so different. Are you a boxing? I mean, it sounds like you're not, do you, do you follow it that closely then? I follow, um, I'm super like mainstream when it comes to boxing. Like I'll watch a Canelo fight. I'll watch Triple G, Tyson Fury, but all the, it has to be a marquee kind of fight. I don't, I can't tell you about the undercards where it's different with the UFC. I'm interested in a dude making his debut, never seeing him just because yep. it's, there's something about it, you know, like it's just, it's just weird. There's more ways to win too, which I think is fascinating and. That's that's the thing with boxing for me. Uh, any read and uh, or hype and steam coming on UFC 275 right around the corner on June 11th. Teixeira, the favorite against Yuri. Teixeira minus one or plus 170. Uh, Yuri is minus 205. Is the hype starting to build for that next pay-per-view? 
Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is a division in the 205, which for about a decade plus was ran by two guys. It was Daniel Cormier, whenever John Jones would be stripped of his title for the out of the ring stuff that he was going through. Yep. And then it was John Jones, who's probably, you know, it's, it's him or Habib, depending on what your preference is for like the greatest fighter of all time or, or most accomplished. But with that said, there's a, there's a huge trend, Joe, of underdog champions in title fights. The last 26 times that this has happened, the underdog champion is 21 and five in those fights. So you saw this happen with Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Poirier, the favorite. I think there the books tried to trap you. Um, I was on Oliveira in that fight. I couldn't believe it. But that, that's, a, that's a huge trend. Off the top, that feels like 75, 80%. And this fight, Yuri Prohaska, he's fought two times in the UFC, won both in highlight real fashion, and he's being given a title shot. And I think he should be the favorite in this fight. Uh, Glover has been the underdog in all of his fights on this, you know, 40 year old plus, you know, third run of his career that he's had to the belt. And the one thing that I hate, Joe, when it comes to any kind of combat sport is when a guy or a girl is already talking about this might be in their last fight. How focused are you? Are you checked out? And Glover has said he's not fighting past this year. And with this fight being in June, if he wins, maybe he fights again in December. But you know, this is a guy who's going to be 43 years old very soon. So that kind of, it's, I don't like hearing those kind of things, Joe. Yeah. We'll have you on, obviously, before that fight uh, again on June 11th. I'm an idiot. I said to share uh, the favorite. He's the underdog, obviously, at plus 170. Yuri, the favorite at minus 205. Real quick before I let you go, I meant to ask you this last week. You talked about with the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we obviously know that everyone loves South Beach. Good times to be mm-hmm. had. Vices to be uh, indulged. You have a story of being oh. in Miami <laughs> and having a, a betting edge of knowing one particular team of group of players was was out late at night and suffered from the Miami flu the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Miami is one of my favorite places in the world, along with Las Vegas. And we were down there, Joe. It was a regular season game. This is the Dion Waiters Miami Heat. Miami is not that good. And they're playing the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets at the time had D'Angelo Russell, Hollis Jefferson, uh, Jared Dudley was doing all those animated dances on the bench. And I've gone to Miami many times. And I have a friend of mine that works at a uh, establishment, which I'll leave at, at that. And she told me... That- no, no, no. But at the time, the, the Heat were a three-point underdog at home. And we were there for a basketball party. And my friend told me, hey, the Nets just left. And it was like 7 in the morning. Their game was at 7 o'clock. <laughs> I tell my friends, I was like, yo, we have information that the books don't know. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, dude, they were partying until 7 in the morning. They're not going to be able to play. Are you kidding me? They've been here since Thursday. It was Friday night. They went out. Saturday's the game. Lo and behold, Joe. Gather up some money, make a couple phone calls. We take the Heat plus three. The Heat are up 30 points at halftime. And I'm doing the Randy Orton pose. I know Cole's going to appreciate that one. And all my friends thought I was like the greatest of all time. And that is my Miami flu story. The inside information was great. Shout out to my friend as always. And you get a lot of those kind of stories, man. I've heard stories about the Golden Knights that first year 
I had my buddy Chris on the show and uh, he's a promoter at some of these nightclubs. And he's like, man, you would see them at the roulette table seven, eight in the morning. And it's like, what would the Golden Knights or what? Not, uh, 23 and one at home in that first year. It's like, <laughs> dude, Vegas is Vegas for everybody. You know, like you're going to hit some of those tables and you know, crazy stories go on. That's a hell of a story. I love it. Uh, legendary stuff. Nick, as always, I appreciate you. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Day is 10. Check out his podcast, Veterans Minimum on Blue Wire's network of podcasts. Until next time, Nick, appreciate you, brother. Be easy. We'll talk soon. Take care, guys. Good stuff, as always, from Nick Dayus. I love our chats. That guy is the man and lots to discuss with the finals on the way. And, of course, the big UFC card, UFC 275 on the horizon with Teixeira and Yuri. Uh, our win bet, bet 50, win 200 promo is still rolling on. New win bet users can receive $200 in free bets. After they make their first qualifying deposit and place their first bet on win bet, once that bet is settled, you will receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time on four and three in May, plus 1.03 units. I am taking the Yankees, the team that burned me on Monday. First five money line, minus 130 against the Rays. Nestor Cortez is on the mound. He's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, a potential Cy Young candidate in the American League, a strikeout artist, and the Rays rank sixth in K rate against right-handed pitching. Meanwhile, Ryan Yarbrough with an, uh, an ERA over four on the season is pitching for Tampa. The Yankees have been mashing right-handed pitching so far this year. They rank fifth in WRC plus against righties. I'm running it back, allowing myself to potentially be hurt again by the pinstripes, but I have faith the Yankees are going to bounce back for me. Yankees first five, minus 130 against the Rays. That's going to do it for us here on this episode. Uh, holiday weekend coming up. Hope you have some great Memorial Day weekend plans. Enjoy some good food, some good weather, some good downtime, some family time, some quality time with whomever you choose to spend it with. No show on Monday. We'll see you Tuesday, though, right here on Bet to Win. 